Welcome to your High Vibration Life podcast with Robin Openshaw, also known online as the Green Smoothie Girl. When you're living your high vibration life, you're healthier in every way. You're more productive, creative, peaceful, and loving. Your high vibration life is calling. And now your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Your High Vibration Life. I'm your host, Robin Openshaw, and I'm excited today to introduce you to a longtime friend of mine. We call her Dr. Rita Marie. Dr. Rita Marie Lascalso is the founder of the Institute of Nutritional Endocrinology. And we have been collaborating, talking, sending people to each other on the internet for literally 10 years now, which is like, what would you say, Rita Marie? Is that like 10 years on the internet is like 80 dog years? Yeah, I probably, <laughs> it's it's like a lifetime really of the internet because we were both in the, when the internet was in the infancy stages for health programs anyway. Yeah, everything, everything has changed so much. She is a, she's a doctor of chiropractic, but she also has a lot of extra training. She has certification in acupuncture. She is a certified clinical nutritionist. She has a master's degree in human nutrition and computer science, and she has like 500 hours in herbal medicine. So I find Rita Marie to be not only one of the most sophisticated and educated natural practitioners out there, but she also totally walks the talk. We're going to be talking today about her nutritional approach. We're going to be talking about blood sugar, which is a big passion of hers. We originally connected over our love back in the day, there was a lot of uh, a lot of excitement around discovering what eating mostly raw foods or all raw foods could do for you. So she's a living foods chef. Sometimes we call sort of the raw plant based diet a living foods diet. She's a chef. She's an instructor, a coach. She's certified hundreds of other professionals in teaching people to make whole fresh foods delicious not just healthy, but delicious. I also really love about her because we talk on this podcast a lot about the Heart Math Institute. Mm. She's a certified heart math provider, which has everything to do with living at high vibrations. And so she helps her clients and her followers understand the negative impact of stress on their health. She uh, lives in Austin, Texas with her husband and her two sons. And, and this is kind of a fun little fact here. I originally started sending people to drritamarie.com and that's Dr. Rita Marie. So there's two R's in a row. I was sending people there because back when greensmoothiegirl.com was brand new, we were kind of a site for young moms trying to feed their children healthy. Lots of people 10 years ago, figuring out that the standard American diet wasn't serving us. And I had lots of people saying, what do you do? Like they knew my story of how I weaned my first child onto, you know, formula and then and then cow's milk like all the other moms were doing and I almost killed my son. I I mean, he was mm. really in and out of hospitals and emergency rooms and so I found and then sent countless people over the years to drritamarie.com/shop/books and she has a nut milk formula in there, a nut milk recipe book. And I taught people to go check out her homemade raw, super high nutrition formula for babies, because 
the infant formulas in the stores are just, they're just terrible. They're really, you know, it's just processed food. Wouldn't you say Rita Marie? Oh, it's totally awful. I wouldn't feed it to the neighborhood cat who was starving. Probably. <laughs> That's how bad I think they are. They're, they, they'd hurt more than they help. Yeah. And, and, you know, I made your formula on my path. I had my third child, um, couldn't, couldn't uh, breastfeed. I got really, really underweight after as a result of being really stressed. And this is how I, I found your work. But she got extremely underweight and didn't do well with any milk or formula. And, and I finally used uh, donor breast milk from a, a oh, Denver milk bank. Yeah. But it was it was not cheap. You have to get a I don't even know if they still exist, but it really it really saved my daughter's life. But your your formula, it's not it's it's labor intensive, but it was really, really good stuff. And so I sent I said I've sent lots of people there over the years because tell me if I got this right, because it's been so long since I used to send people to you. You adopted both of your sons and didn't you like stimulate stimulate milk production and breastfeed them? Yeah. So I, I didn't get very much milk, but what I did was I, yes, I used an, a lactation device that's made for women who have difficulty nursing. And I strung it around my, my boobs and taped the little, the little tubes and they fed that way and they loved it. And we would put this homemade infant formula in there. So I didn't want to give them commercial formula. I wanted to give them the best they could. And I, I researched this like crazy. I'm a, I'm a geek when it comes to that. And I printed out these uh, formula, like what's in breast milk? What are all the nutrients? And I've, you know, created this formula that would have that in there. And it had to exceed, of course, breast milk because breast milk is more bioavailable. My kids have thrived. They're now 23 and 19 and they're strapping and beautiful kids. They were never sick. They were healthier than any of their friends' uh, kids. And and I didn't control the breast, the, the prenatal environment. So it wasn't that I just, you know, took care of them while they were, while they were um, in the womb. They did not have a good environment in the womb. And we were able to overcome that by giving them good nourishment. Yeah, that's really exciting. If I recall, again, being a long time, I remember there being fresh carrot juice and evening primrose oil in that formula. Did I make that up? Yeah, no, you didn't make that up. There were essential fats. So we had flax oil and we had a, a, either GLA borage oil or primrose oil. And it was really designed to be balanced the way it should be. Unlike conventional baby formula, which doesn't have a lot of that stuff and it's missing some of the things they really need. So yeah, it had that in there. It had fresh juice. It was not just carrot. It had celery and it had some greens and it was all just blend put in there and, and uh, blended with some almonds or other kind of nuts. I don't remember exactly the ones I used at this point. And I added some extra nutrients to it, like the, the flaxseed and for the omegas. And what else did I add to it? Some, a particular, like a thorn vitamin supplement that was powdered vitamin supplement that had a wide range in good forms. And then um, zinc and, oh, probiotics. I mean, it was, it's a really fortified formula. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was, you know, just superfoods and and incredible nutrition. And it's just a great lesson in some of what we're going to talk about today that we don't have to depend on Infamil and Similac to feed our babies, just like we don't have to depend on Frito-Lay and McDonald's to feed us <laughs> as we get older, right? That's right. Yeah, my kids never saw the inside of McDonald's except when their friends would have birthday parties there and they'd go in and jump on the stuff and they'd always say, Mom, it really smells bad in here. <laughs> I It's so funny because I remember when my oldest son was 17, I heard him talking to his friends in the kitchen and I heard him say that 
you know, telling his friends that he had never been to McDonald's and they, they were all like, what are you talking about? Who hasn't been to McDonald's? And my son's like, no, I literally have never been to McDonald's. And I walked in the kitchen and I said, yes, you have. We stop at McDonald's to use the bathrooms. Their bathrooms are the cleanest. And whenever we go on a trip, (laughs) (laughs) that's what they're good for, right? Yeah. Well, I, I love that we're talking about blood sugar today because I was just learning from our mutual friend, Dr. Stephen Masley, MD, about his book coming out on the brain. And he was talking about how cognitive decline is not only an epidemic right now, but it's totally traceable to long-term blood sugar imbalances and how it, you, you, uh, you have it for 10 years before it will even show up in, in measurements. So, so talk to us a little bit about beyond diabetes. We all know that that is a risk of having out of control blood sugar. What's the risk and what are the symptoms? Yeah. So here's the deal. So yeah, brain is one of the big ones and they're now starting to, uh, even medical literature is, is paper after paper on the link between dementia, Alzheimer's and blood sugar imbalance. So even to the point where they're starting to call Alzheimer's type three diabetes, right? So it affects the brain in that way. And it also affects the brain in more subtle ways uh, that most people experience on a day-to-day basis before they see the light and start eating the way we recommend is that the, the brain fog. You ever hear people say, oh, I got that brain fog. Yeah, I can't think, I can't keep my, my brain straight. That's often related to blood sugar imbalance. But more than that, it contributes to heart disease, high blood pressure, uh, inflammation, cancer, I mean, all the big killer diseases can be traced down to blood sugar. I have a video I created last, um, last I think it was last November or so, and it had to do with the hidden, the hidden plague lurking in your bloodstream. It had to do with insulin resistance and blood sugar imbalance and, and the effects that insulin have on the blood, sh- blood vessel linings, on the blood pressure, on C-reactive protein, which is an inflammatory marker that contributes not just to to heart disease and strokes, but also to cancer. So it, it's it's the underlying thing in just about everything. And guess what? For those of you who just don't really care about how it affects your health, but you care about how it affects your looks, that layer of belly fat that just keeps creeping up, even though the rest of you looks great, that has to do with your blood sugar imbalance as well. Okay, this, this is a great time to point out, and I hope I don't embarrass you, Rita Marie, that uh, you'll have to, if you feel like it, tell us what age you are or what age range you are, because this woman has a rockin' body, like flat <laughs> belly, flat belly. Like, what's up with that? What are you eating? I'm eating good stuff. I eat I eat whole plant based foods and uh, low glycemic and uh, nuts and seeds and a lot of really good stuff and and raw pizzas and lots of you know stir fries and things like that. I eat a lot of really good food and I I do it in a way that really pleases my palate because that's something that is important to me. It had been in the past. I mean, I would eat cardboard if I had to to maintain my health, but I like having nice food. I even eat chocolate, but we do it in a way that doesn't throw my blood sugars off. And yes, I'm, I'm in my sixties. So, yep. And I can continue. I had a, I'll tell you this. I had a picture taken with my niece who had just gotten married. It was after the wedding and we were in on a Caribbean Island and my husband took a picture of us and we were both wearing bikinis. And I was thinking, oh my God, I'm getting my picture taken in a bikini next to a 27 year old. Oh my God, I'm going to look like, and when I looked at the picture, I was like, holy cow, my body looks as good as hers does. 
And that's the comments that people said. And it's not that it's it's not that it's in, you know, my family history. We all are lean and mean. Um, it's not. It has to do with me taking control. And really, uh, for me, the blood sugar is a huge piece of it, keeping my blood sugar nice and happy. And are you doing CrossFit or running 10 miles a day? No, no, no. I run. I run probably three miles, four or five times a week on a good week and maybe less. I weightlift once a week because I should do it more. Um, I when I do push-ups, when I get in the roll of it, I can get up to 60 to 100 push-ups, but then I don't do them for a long time and I don't, I haven't been doing push-ups lately, so I have no idea how many I can do right now. But no, I'm not, I'm not in the gym. I do, I do um, the 30-second burst training type of things. I run up and down my stairs, but I, I'm not, I don't have to exercise. I don't have to spend three hours in the gym every day to keep my body like this. So, you know, a lot of people who were raw, aren't anymore. Are you still, mm-hmm. how, what percentage raw are you? I've, I've maintained 68% raw for, oh, 23 years now. I, I don't see myself ever going back, but a lot of the people who are raw are now eating some animal proteins. You, you eat plant-based, but everybody wants to know, you know, you get asked this like every day, right? Are you vegetarian or vegan? Tell us a little bit about your diet and then I'll stop obsessing about your diet and get into more stuff that applies to everybody. But I am really curious because like I said, it's like mm-hmm. not, it's not normal to have a beautiful body like you in your sixties <laughs> in America. I have a hundred percent plant. Okay. hundred okay. percent. Um, I eat, but I eat, I don't do like when, uh, you know, the raw food, um, dessert craze and all that. I don't do the dates and all the extra sugars and that from your various, uh, high glycemic fruits. I really do. I call it paleo vegan. I know you laughed at me when I wrote that on a, a, a blog once or something, paleo vegan, what the heck is that? It's basically the paleo kind of approach where, you know, eliminate a lot of the, eliminate sugars, dairy, you know, pretty much grains. Uh, so I don't eat grains. I don't eat beans. I eat all vegetables. I eat mainly vegetables with fat, you know, good fats whole food fats, not a lot of oils. Yeah, I have a little coconut oil here and there, but no, I not a lot of oil, just really whole food fats. We eat a lot of coconut and avocado and nuts and seeds, hemp seeds. I make um, really nice dips and cheeses out of my nuts and seeds. I eat tons of vegetables and I think that's a biggie. And green smoothies, green smoothie girl. I drink my green smoothies every day, at least a quart, some days two or three. Yeah, me too. Me too. Because then it just makes it so easy and you don't have to really think about it. You just get up in the morning and you make a whole blender full. And I often drink that whole blender full by the end of the day. And people say, does that taste good? Who cares? I don't know. Like all the food I eat doesn't, isn't because, because it tastes good. In fact, let me, let me ask you this and then we'll get back to blood sugar. But, um, Rita Marie and actually, and I actually met in person when she sponsored my lecture in Austin. And so mm-hmm. I did a lecture there and I really enjoyed getting to know her. And now we go to conferences together, but do you find for yourself and for all the many people you've coached over decades now that when they start eating higher vibration foods, that they're also then when they've built their cells out of high vibration materials, do you find that you, they are more attracted to high vibration foods at that point, that they're literally like them better? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I love the whole concept bringing up the vibration because I know that's something you've been researching a lot. And that's what I feel like the, those kinds of foods have shifted me so much. And yeah, how much raw? Because you asked that before and I didn't really answer it. I would say in the summertime, close to a hundred, you know, some days I have stir, stir fries or steamed vegetables or like today I went out to lunch to an Ethiopian restaurant with my son. I didn't eat the, I didn't eat the breads. I just ate this big plate of vegetables. Now, so, but they were cooked. There was a little bit of salad. So, so I'm not like a, a dogmatic raw foodie, but most, a lot of days I don't eat any cooked. Um, in the winter, I eat a lot more because I'll make like a big pot of steamed vegetables and eat it that way, but lightly steamed and I'll eat it with salads and raw. So getting back to the vibration, it maintains the vibration of the food. And when you, you're resonating at this high vibration, you have more energy. You have plenty of energy to just do everything you want to be doing. And I, I, that's what I love about that. And I feel like when people make that make that shift. A lot of them are like, I'm going into a new career now. I'm going to teach other people how to do this, or I'm going to finally do that, whatever that I've been thinking about for years, because they have their whole being is just at a different level and they start to think differently and act differently. And, and it's just amazing to see. I'd love for you to talk about sugars in whole foods versus sugars in processed foods. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are good questions. So um, beyond that, also another couple of things are that getting exhausted at four o'clock in the afternoon, like just, okay, got to go to the snack machine, got to get a cup of coffee. Um, Being hungry, even after you've eaten a full meal, but feeling like it's not complete without some sugar, without that and craving food late at night. Those are all signs that the blood sugar is off as well. So how do you find out? My favorite way to do it with people is to actually get them to invest $15 in a little blood sugar meter and test their own blood sugar. Because here's the deal. The doctor is going to test the fasting blood glucose and they're going to tell you when it goes above 100 and say, hey, you're pre-diabetic. And they're going to tell you when it goes above 120 and tell you that you're diabetic. But you know what? That's the last thing that changes. So it's subtle little changes. And quite frankly, I didn't have belly fat, brain fog or burnout, but I discovered about six years ago that I was in the state of pre-insulin resistance. So decades before I would have developed pre-diabetes, I was developing it. And when I discovered that through the little meter and I shifted things, I, I was already feeling great, but the energy was even better after that. My belly even flatter after that. It was, it was night and day really when I discovered that. And I didn't have any of the external symptoms. Okay. So I'm not having to take my own blood, I assume. And where do I get the $15 meter? So you can get the $15 meter at Walgreens or CVS or whatever the local pharmacy chain is for you. You can get it on Amazon. And it actually has a little poker that you poke a little drop of blood and it pops out of your finger and you put it on a strip and you test your own blood. And I teach people to look at what happens when they eat certain foods. So if you were to test your blood and let's just say it's a nice clean 80 before you take your meal and you have a meal of Twinkies, <laughs> which a lot of people do, right? In the middle of the afternoon, they're eating Twinkies. Or didn't didn't they go out of business? Didn't Hostess go out of business? Like, didn't we say bye-bye to Twinkies? I think we might have. I'm, I'm just not up on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever the latest one is. So they have their little snack and then you test your blood sugar. And somewhere between about 45 minutes or, um, you know, half an hour to, to an hour, but around 45 minutes, you're going to see it go up to the highest it's going to go. And then it's going to start coming down again, your sugar. And if it's above 110, you've got a blood sugar issue. 
Yeah, that's very specific and really helpful. Okay, so we're all going to go out and get at, on Amazon or at, or at Walgreens at a drugstore and get a $15 blood sugar meter. And we're going to poke our finger before a meal. And 80 is a good number. And then 45 minutes after a meal, we poke our finger again. And it should be below 110 is good. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if it's not, then... I have people just start testing all their different meals, all the different foods and figure out what raises it above and what keeps it below. And then once they've got some tracking on that, then we do a 30-day metabolic reset where for 30 days, you're only eating the foods that keep it low. Now, you might say that, you know, yeah, the sugar from whole foods versus processed foods, obviously the sugar in whole foods is much better because it's loaded with the vitamins and the fiber and the antioxidants and all the great things that we need. But if someone has developed a blood sugar imbalance as a result of years of drinking too much wine, eating too many M&Ms, eating too much bread and other kinds of processed foods, then for a while, even fruits are going to do it. It's like for me, the first sign I had was I was going to make a video to teach the people in my program about how to do a video, how to make, how to take your own blood. And I took my blood sugar and before my meal, it was like 68, which is actually quite good. If you look at, you know, that's actually a very good number, 68. Okay. So I ate a pineapple, just like put a bowl of pineapple and ate it. And within about, I'd say about 15, 20 minutes, it was up to 130. And I'm like, whoa. And within about 45 minutes, it was up to 167. It had gone up 100 points. 167 is by con- considered by all measures to be in the diabetic range. So I ate pineapple and I had very dangerously high blood sugar. So it's a good food. I'm not saying it's a bad food. But for me at that particular point in time, the way I ate it was not. So I looked at it, I put myself on my own program and it's not just about the food, it's about stress, it's about fitness, it's about sleep. And for me, I discovered it was really the lack of sleep. I had so much energy, I wasn't going to bed and I wasn't getting the kind of rest I needed. And that creates insulin resistance in susceptible people and even in healthy people. And I have genes that predispose me to type two diabetes. So for me, I needed to be a little bit more careful than that. Now I can eat pineapple, but I have to eat my pineapple with my green smoothie. Not in my green smoothie, because I want to taste my pineapple when I eat it. Thank you very much. And if I blend it, I do tend to have higher levels of sugar. But if I chew it and I have one bite of pineapple and a sip of green smoothie and another bite of pineapple and a sip of green smoothie, I'm happy and I get to eat my pineapple and I get to keep my blood sugar nice and normal. So what is it about greens? And while we're at it, what is it about greens that helps control your blood sugar while you're eating fruit as well? And also what, what else is in your green smoothie? Okay, cool. So what is it is it's the fiber, the cellulose that slows everything down. It's the minerals because greens are just like so loaded with minerals and those help the body to transport the glucose, which requires insulin to get into the cells. And so those minerals like magnesium and chromium and zinc and all that are actually assisting the body in clearing the sugar out of the blood and getting it into the cells so you can make energy. So that's, those are the things in there, the fibers and that, and the, um, and the minerals. What's in my green smoothie is a ton of greens, including a bunch of sprouts and uh, cucumbers, maybe in celery or or not, um, but lots of greens, kale, arugula, spinach, whatever I have on hand. Uh, an avocado, usually, 
Sometimes I'll put coconut instead. Sometimes maybe a handful, I don't know, hemp seeds or macadamia nuts or something or a combination. So some sort of fat, whole food fat, and lots and lots of greens and lots of lemon. I love lemon. And then some spices usually. So maybe there's some cayenne in there. Oh, always ginger, a big hunk of ginger and turmeric because those are great antioxidants and detox kind of. Yep. That sounds like almost exactly my green smoothie. Sometimes I'll put aloe. Yeah. Aloe is probably the one thing that... Aloe. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about insulin resistance, because I think people struggle with this concept and you you have this insulin resistance problem well before you ever get diagnosed with diabetes. Yeah, absolutely. It's been going on for decades before that. And we can detect it real early on. So insulin is the hormone that gets secreted by the pancreas. That's job is to escort glucose into the cells so your cells can make energy and you can feel great the way you're supposed to feel after a meal. Not tired and sluggish, but you're supposed to feel good and energized because your body now has fuel. Well, insulin requires certain nutrients to escort the sugar into the cells and there's receptors on the cells. So what happens when you eat like the standard American diet, like I did, lots of processed grains and lots of sugar, you're constantly producing a lot of insulin to try to help get all that sugar into the cells. And insulin itself is actually damaging to the cells in excess amounts. So after a while, those cells get depleted, they get damaged, they get inflamed, and they can no longer escort the insulin. Plus, we deplete all those great minerals that we need to escort it. The food is depleted in those minerals, so we're not replacing them, but we're using whatever we have to try to get the insulin into the cells with the glucose. And we become what's called insulin resistance. And most people will be diagnosed with insulin resistance when you go to the doctor and they measure your fasting glucose and it's above 100 three times in a row. They'll say, huh, you have insulin resistance. It's pre-diabetes. My take is why don't we let people know not when they have insulin resistance, which at that point, there's dangerously high amounts of insulin in the system. Why don't we let them know like 20 years, 10 years before that, that they're heading in that direction? And so there's ways to do that with that little blood sugar meter and also with another test called hemoglobin A1C that doctors usually only order when somebody's already diabetic. And that, that by then it's too late. By then it's like way up high and they think it's good if it's above seven. It really should be around five. And that gives us an idea of the average blood glucose over time. And what that's measuring is actually how, what percentage of your red blood cells are coated with sugar, glycosylated hemoglobin? What percentage of your red blood cells are coated with sugar? And guess what? If you ever... Have you ever made molasses when you were a kid? Um, Not made candy, hard candy, and you take the molasses and you heat it, but then when it hardens, it has these like stiff, brittle points to it. That happens inside your blood. So your red blood cells are getting coated with sugar and they're kind of stiff and they can poke holes in the blood vessel linings. And those holes will then need to be repaired and cholesterol is a good repairer. And then the cholesterol goes and deposits there. And guess what? You know, we start to line our blood vessels with these cholesterol and calcium-containing plaques. So it's a real, it's a real um, risk factor, and it's happening blindly. It's happening before you even know it's happening, because you're not getting the tests that the doctor's taking. That they're not the appropriate tests, is, is what I'm trying to say. They're just not going to catch it early on. We want to catch it early on. So that's where we are. Interesting. I did not know that. 
um, an early predictor is this blood sugar meter. And nice thing is it's super cheap. So I'm, I'm all over that and I'll report back later about what I learned and that will be a good, so you're not just driving blind when it comes to food and you can see how you personally are reacting. That's, that's really great. Exactly. People say to me, Oh, well, are sweet potatoes allowed on this diet? Mike, Depends. <laughs> How do sweet potatoes react in your body? Right? Are dates okay? Well, it depends. How does your body react to dates? Yeah. So what, can, what things can we do? What are the dietary things? What are the lifestyle things that we can do that are going to make the biggest difference in controlling our blood sugar? Mm, great question. I look at five lifestyle areas that I think are most key. One is you got to start with the stress. That's where I start because stress, like you talked about heart math, I teach heart math. When the, when the um, person is under stress, the level of cortisol goes up in the body. And what is that intended for is to flood your body with sugar so that it can get your extremities ready to run and jump and punch and get away from tigers, right? That's what cortisol is all about. And what the problem is most people are getting stressed out about is stuff that they're sitting at their desk for. And so the cortisol is still released. The blood sugar goes up and guess what? Cortisol goes for protein. So it goes to the muscles, breaks down the muscles in a process called gluconeogenesis, creates sugar from the protein, from the branch chain amino acids, and then the blood sugar goes up. But guess what? There's no tiger running around my office chasing me. It's just the tiger in my brain. So I don't have to use all that energy. And so my blood sugar goes high, my insulin goes high, and it's contributing over and over again to insulin resistance. So what I teach people to do is how to manage the stress. And we use heart math, mini meditations, tapping, whatever really works for someone, but you do it throughout the day. The other thing I teach them is if you get into a real stressful situation, do some exercise to kill that sugar that your body just created. Run up and down the stairs, um, do squats at your desk. If you work in an office and can't do that, go to the bathroom and do squats in the stall, go for a walk, but burn up the sugar. That's one thing. So stress is huge. Sleep is another one. And that was my downfall. I wasn't sleeping. I was sleeping three, four hours a night and I was all excited because I had all this energy and I could do all this work. But in reality, it wasn't giving my body a chance to regenerate every night and get the levels of insulin down, get the levels of growth hormone, which is an antagonist to insulin and helps us to repair and burn fat. I wasn't giving myself enough hours of sleep to have that be optimized. So sleep is super important. I'm going to throw in one more and then we'll talk about food. Fitness. Doesn't mean you have to go to the gym uh, and work out for three, four hours at a time. Burst training has been found to be the most effective for controlling blood sugar. So 30 seconds at a time, maybe four to eight times a day. Contiguous, it could be 30 seconds and then you go, you jog the rest of the time and then you do 30 seconds of sprint and then jog for a while. Or you could just 30 seconds a few times a day. So I keep a little exciser right by my desk, a little stair climber. And I just get off and jump up and down or bounce up and down on it for 30 seconds. I keep a, a medicine ball nearby and I run up and down the stairs a couple times a day. I stand up at my desk most of the time and I have a little bouncy pad. So I bounce up and down on it. Keep moving. It doesn't have to be three hours at the gym. And then the last one is the food. And the, again, the food, what foods you're going to eat are going to depend on how you respond to the blood sugar meter. If people don't want to test their blood, I give them a sheet 
that says, okay, for 30 days, we're going to do a metabolic reset and you're just going to eat from these foods. They're all, you know, high plant powered. You can do it as a complete vegetarian, vegan, raw foodist if you want. You can do it uh, with a little bit of organic pastured meat in there. We're taking out the allergens. We're taking out the, the processed foods absolutely have to go. So I have a yes, no, maybe column. Absolutely, yes. Most people can eat these without their blood sugar going up like lettuce and kale and broccoli and things like that. The no is the sugars and the the processed foods and the crackers and all that. And then the media in between is the stuff that some people can eat, some people can't. That's where all of our fruits lie. That's where some grains might lie, like non-gluten grains like quinoa and millet. That's where maybe sweet potatoes are. But if a person does those, and their sugar goes up, they can't do those. And then we do 30 days of metabolic reset and the results are phenomenal. 30 days of metabolic reset. I know you have a really great recipe guide that you're going to give our followers here. And we're setting it up at greensmoothiegirl.com slash sweet spot because Rita Marie has a program called the Sweet Spot Solution. So greensmoothiegirl.com slash sweet spot. And you can get... Rita Marie's recipe guide. Tell us a little bit about how this recipe guide works and how Mm -hmm. it's going to help them with belly fat. Tell us a little more. Yep. Absolutely. And we call it, I think we call it our bye-bye belly fat brain fog and burnout recipe sampler. So it's basically a sampling of, in our sweet spot solution program, we have a 250 page recipe guide. And so we took a sampling from the different chapters in there. So we have, we have salads and dressings and smoothies and juices. We also have desserts and we have some dehydrated items and we have a lot of really wide variety of stuff. So we took a sampling of that and we put it together in like a 20 page book that we're giving away for free. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm very excited about it. And I've really enjoyed learning from you. I've been furiously writing notes. I'm sure that our <laughs> audience will too, or they'll listen. This will be one of those that they listen to a second time. So thank you so much for being with us. Anything that you want to say that you didn't cover, Rita Marie? No, just, you know, the only thing is, is that live your life every day with gratitude. And that comes with the stress. And I teach that in the stress component. But we all, if you can wake up every morning and find things to appreciate, and you could just catch yourself when you flying off the handle and just come back to gratitude, that can make all the difference in the world for your blood sugars. And, you know, just, just eat real food. Perfect way to encapsulate the most important things we can do. I've had um, a recent question was, what's the number one thing you would do to uh, prevent cancer? And I said, I can't pick one. I'm going to pick two. And one is eat more plants in their natural state. And the other one is learn how to metabolize those negative emotions and get into those high vibrations of joy and peace and love. You can choose them. You can choose into gratitude. You can just literally spend 30 seconds feeling gratitude. So you're a wonderful example to me. You're um, in the next phase of life that I'm looking at, Rita Marie, and, and I need inspiration. I need to have someone who's in the next decade of life showing me how it's done. So thanks so much for leading the way. Thank you so much for having me. 